0: Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, sponsored by Amazon. Today's Monday, March 1st. Stocks are way up. Bitcoin went way down over the weekend, and we're focused on Biden care. The Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, turns 11 years old later this month, but not too many people will be making cakes. Republicans, of course, still treat ACA legislation like the anarchist cookbook, and they've run almost every campaign over the past 11 years, promising to repeal it, although they failed to do so when given the chance in 2017. And all they've really managed to accomplish is chip away a little bit via executive orders during the Trump years. As for Democrats, they want all of their old ACA back and then some. And for those on the party's progressive flank, it's Medicare for all or bust. Remember that Obamacare was primarily designed to increase the number of insured Americans. And in that regard, it certainly helped. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, the percentage of non-elderly uninsured Americans was 17.8% the year ACA went into effect. Since 2015 and every year since, that figure has dropped below 11%. Moreover, the prohibition against denying health insurance to those with pre-existing medical conditions has actually crossed partisan lines into a must have for any future health plan. So the question now is how America's health insurance system will or perhaps won't change under President Biden, both because of the changing politics and also because of the pandemic. To get answers in 15 seconds, we'll talk with Jonathan Cohn, a senior national correspondent at the Huffington Post and author of a new book about Obamacare called The Ten Year War. But first, this. We're joined now by John Cohn. So John, your book kind of explains how we got to the system we have now with lots of compromises and imperfections, etc. Give us a status report though, in uh, March of 2021, how do you describe the state of Obamacare at this point in the Biden presidency?
1: You know, I think we're at a kind of steady state at this point. We see what it can do and what it can't do. And you can kind of look at it a half glass full... Half glass empty, right? I mean, uh, millions of people got insurance from the program. You know, we're at near the lowest number of uninsured we've ever had. And we have a lot of data now. You know, a lot of academics have kind of really poured through the data. Like, are people actually better off financially? Yes, they are. You know, we're seeing, you know, relative to what we would have seen, fewer bankruptcies, fewer, you know, credit card debt problems. Are they healthier? Yeah, we're seeing evidence of that, too. So that's all the glass half full side. The glass half empty side, obviously, is we still have... Millions uninsured, we have millions more who have insurance, but, you know, they've got these high deductibles or these high out of pocket costs. They can't afford their medical care. And, you know, we still have the world's most confusing, most expensive health care system, and where it's not actually clear we're getting anything extra for that money. So you know, there's good and there's bad
0: right when Biden took office, one of the very first things he did was rescinded some of the actions Trump had taken to kind of weaken ACA. From your understanding of Biden, is that enough for the Biden administration at this point, or is there more they wanna do in the near term?
1: There's clearly more they wanna do. I mean, they are they have a, a kind of multi-step process, right? So the first thing they did when they got in is they're like, okay, what can we do with executive authority? You know, what 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 regulations can we change? What things, you know, and, and, and the Trump administration, obviously the Republicans spent a lot of time trying to repeal the Affordable Care Act, they failed. The Trump administration was quite effective at changing regulations, turning little dials here and there on how the program works. And and most of those resulted in things like the financial assistance that people who buy, you know, if you buy coverage on healthcare.gov, you might be eligible for a tax credit. Well, they made lots of little adjustments that made that assistance worth less. So the Biden administration is going back and kind of turning those dials back. But, you know, that's really just the first step. You know, we see uh, the next step is already taking shape. It's in the COVID relief. Bill, and what they are doing is they want to uh, add a lot more money to the assistance that people get, and both for you know if you if you buy coverage from healthcare.gov or you you know if you live in one of the states that runs their own exchanges, so like covered California, you get these tax credits. If you already get them, and this happens. The tax credits will get bigger so your premiums you know hopefully will come down but in addition you know right now one of the big problems is that assistance cuts off at four times the poverty line which is about a hundred thousand dollars a year for a family of four they want to extend that
0: up so more people get that help so they basically want to make it a more generous program does that mean that well, obviously the pandemic has been god-awful for america's health and for its healthcare system overall the stimulus in this case the proposed stimulus this new one is kind of a, a backdoor way for them to get Republican support potentially for something that Republicans normally would fight if it was a standalone bill.
1: Yeah, you know, sure. I mean, one thing we've seen, right, from the last 10 years, if it's got the word Obamacare attached to it, Republicans are going to fight it. You know, I think the rationale here is that this is, you know, when you're in the middle of a pandemic, it's really important that people can afford their health care. So we're trying to do that. And it is, to be clear, it's a temporary thing. It's two years. It's not permanent. Now, obviously, the Biden administration, the Democrats are very much hoping that when that two years is up, they'll be able to go back and make it permanent or extend it. But yeah, I mean, there's no question at all that this is an attempt to do something that frankly, you know, it's the kind of adjustment that wouldn't be a big deal normally. In a normal political environment, you know, you when you pass a law, you look at sort of, you know, what's working, what's not. And it became pretty clear early on that it needed a little more funding. And obviously, Republicans don't like to spend government money, so it was always going to meet some resistance. But in the political environment of 30 years ago, this is the kind of thing that would get some bipartisan support and pass pretty easily. The issue, I think, is that Obamacare, big flashing sign. Obamacare just becomes so controversial. You, you can't get Republican buy in on anything.
0: Is it fair to say that for Biden, though, he's kind of in a no win situation here? Obviously, as you say, Republicans in general don't like Obamacare. So anything he does to strengthen, expand it is going to be objected to by them. But at the same point, he's got a lot of people on his left flank, but who comprise a decent part of the Democratic Party and Democratic base who think he not going far enough. Even if he gets everything he wants, he's not going far enough. I mean,
1: obviously that's gonna be a tension constantly going forward, right? I mean, he's gonna be pulled in both directions and he's gonna have to figure out how to navigate that. I don't know how that works out, to be honest with you. I think, you know, we'll see, you know, where things are after, you know, for the moment at least, In the context of the pandemic, I think the left is pretty content with what he's doing right now. I think where you will start to see some sort of tension is, okay, what are the next steps? You know, are you going to do a public option like you have promised? Are you going to push for Medicare for all? The two variables on this I see, number one, there's a lot on the agenda right now, right? And so, and I think we see this with the Biden administration in general, like they may not push as hard on health care. As the left would want, but if the left is happy, they see him pushing on minimum wage or Green New Deal, they might be, you know, inclined to cut him some slack there, as long as they see progress on healthcare. Conversely, if you know, <laughs> if, if nothing's happening on Green New Deal, nothing's happening on those other priorities, then they're going to be that much more putting that much more pressure to do something on healthcare.
0: Judging the politics of it, knowing the Biden administration, where do you think health care is on their priority list? Because it would seem to me, given how health care is this resonant issue, particularly for Democrats when they campaign really at all levels, presidency on down, it would seem health care is going to go is going to be a higher priority. Or am I wrong about that, do you think? I think it will be a higher priority. I I think the
1: question is how much do they want to sort of turn this into one of their big knockdown, drag out fights. Um, You know, it's interesting if you go back, and I talk about this in the book, and and this is reported earlier as well. You know, in 2008, 2009, Obama's first elected, Biden's one of the advisors telling Obama not to do a big push on health care. And it was a political argument. It's like, this is a quagmire. We're going to get, you know, stuck in this, which, you know, you could argue, in fact, happened. Do you think Biden still believes
0: that? Does Biden think he was right about his advice then?
1: You know, I'd love to ask him that. Um, It's entirely possible, I think, that he thinks politically that at the time it seemed like the right judgment. In retrospect, he's glad it happened. I mean, he was certainly, to be clear, when they went forward, he was all on board and, in fact, did a lot of uh, very critical work in winning over individual senators. I don't know. That's a good question. I'd love to ask him that. My sense is, and this this is just knowing the people there, this isn't any conversations I've had you know, they feel like they can make a lot of progress kind of under the radar screen on this. You know, there's a case to be made. They can do a lot on healthcare, at least initially, like they are now in the COVID bill, without sort of putting it, you know, making it the number one thing they're talking about. Because so much of this stuff is technical, or it is, you know, it's just, it's throwing money at it at a time when, the environment is a little bit more conducive to throwing money at something. So my sense is they wanna make progress on healthcare. I don't get the impression the Biden administration is looking to make this their big number one priority of the next three or four years. That said, there's a reason we keep talking about health care. The health system really needs work. It needs attention. And obviously, progressives, I think, make very important critiques. Of what's wrong with our system? How to how to fix it? And they're going to put pressure on this. I mean, you know, Jayapal, Sanders, these are people who have spent years and years working on this, and they're not about to walk away from it. The Biden administration
0: has basically four years to go. Give me one Substantive thing when it comes to either expanding ACA or something else vis-a-vis the healthcare system that you do expect the Biden administration will change. Something that an average ordinary American would actually feel.
1: So aside from, I think, the stuff in the COVID bill, which I actually think is, you know, if you're one of the people buying insurance, I think they'll work on, I think we're gonna see a real push on prescription drugs. I think there was kind of momentum in that direction under Trump, actually. It's one of those issues Democrats have been talking about for a long time. I think you can see a path to do something on it, and it's something that people would feel in their wallets. They'd see prescription drug prices come down.
0: John Cohn, whose book is called The Ten-Year War, Obamacare, and the unfinished crusade for universal coverage. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. Welcome back. What we're watching today is ExxonMobil, which added activist investor Jeff Ubben and former Comcast CFO Michael Angelakis to its board of directors. Why it matters is this is the strongest signal to date that ExxonMobil sees that the energy market is heading for a massive transformation. Maybe not away from fossil fuels entirely, but certainly away from them as a singular or primary product. Ubben, for his part, is known for his focus on ESG investing. That stands for environmental, social, and governance investing. And his appointment comes as a lot of ExxonMobil shareholders have argued that the company's lack of focus on energy transformation, renewables, and otherwise has led to a languishing stock price. And perhaps just to hammer that point home, ExxonMobil shares are up around 5% on today's news. The bottom line is that oil companies have long been pushed to diversify by environmentalists. Now they're also being pushed by Wall Street. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shauvers and Naomi Shaven. have a great National Pig Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.